Hey, welcome back to Spellstorm Miniatures. Uh, this is episode 13, and my name is Jeremiah. I'm Dan. This is Chad. And uh, here at Spellstorm Miniatures, our goal is to inspire you to play more games. This episode of Spellstorm Miniatures is brought to you by Hidden Forest Gaming. Hidden Forest Gaming provides game mats and terrain sets for all your gaming needs. Listen for a special discount code to receive 10% off your next purchase. Hey Dan, what's our topic today? Today we're going to be a little on the hobby side, a little hobby sewed action. I love it. I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> so uh, before we get started, uh, let's just talk about just some random games that, that maybe you uh, you played the last couple of weeks because uh, that's our primary goal is to talk about games. Uh, have you played any non-War Machine games lately? Well, um, I mean, I know we're inspired to play more games, and I didn't really play any other games. But uh, <laughs> for the most part, I, I read some uh, rules on a Robin Hood and the Merry Men, which was a Kickstarter I did. And uh, Oh, nice. Did yeah. that get delivered? Yes, it came Ooh. just recently. And so nice. I'm going to try to get a video to that, you know, a little bit of unboxing, even though it's not fully miniature-related. It still has meeples, you know. Yeah. So kind of the broader scope of playing some games. So hopefully I'll have that out Oh, yeah, soon. this was one of those, like, board game yes. style. Yeah, with, with cool miniatures. Yep, a little bit okay. of, like, resource management and cards and, yeah. Nice. I dig That's that. Cool. I dig that. How about you, uh, Chad? Any non-War Machine games lately? Uh, just been playing a little bit of Magic. Uh, played in the Popper Tournament at Renovore last Tuesday, which is uh, commons only. Uh, constructed 60 card deck um, my regular RPG group on Sunday and then I haven't played but I have uh, been hearing about and kind of looking into the Song of Fire and Ice miniatures game which I didn't know existed until very recently mm. I was looking through uh, an issue of GTM which is a magazine that we get from one of our distributors that just has like upcoming stuff and I saw uh an ad for like the expansion of like more stuff for yeah. the night's watch. And I was like, what the heck is this? And, uh, one of the, one of our customers that knows Nick, um, was in the store looking for something else and was talking about it. And it sounded really intriguing and very unique because it's not only like a miniatures combat game, but there is also this like political aspect that's, outside of the battlefield so like some of the more political characters like Sansa Stark or Cersei have battlefield influences like Sansa or not Sansa um, Cersei is so uh, so intimidating she actually like you can use her to actually demoralize your opponent's army yeah. which is a really really cool aspect that I've never seen um, yeah. in a miniatures game there's uh, uh, and it sounds super cool so. yeah there's there's actually quite a few folks in our area who are starting to pick it up yeah. And uh, I actually bought a starter as well so yeah. that I can do an unboxing. And um, I'm intrigued about the rule set yeah. because I think the rules can actually be used in other settings as well. Yeah. So but was, from some what I've read about it. I was a little thrown off at it because I was looking at their website and it was only showing like five models. And then I looked at what the price tag was. I was like, holy crap, that's a lot of money. And then I looked back through the list of contents. I was like, oh, there's 47 models. Okay, that's... That's a way oh, yeah. better price you, tag for 47 models right. you plus get, all the other stuff. You get you way more yeah. in, than what <laughs> you bargained like, for. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was like, that's a lot of money for like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's cool. Yeah, I played, uh, let's see, I played some random games. I played some Drop Zone Commander with Joe a couple weeks ago. Okay. And uh, that's one of the things that um, I, I'm really excited about. It's a smaller scale um, 
miniatures, um, but it's like space and you yes. know taking over the world and it's awesome. <laughs> so so he was defending mankind while I was invading mankind. Mm. So and then uh, played Judgment with Oz and actually wrote a wrote an article about that um, on the on the website. So uh, that to partner with the unboxing and then uh, I played uh, Dabellus Antiquitatis. Um, otherwise known as DBA is sort of the nickname and uh, what DBA is it's a historical game rule set and I played it with Jesse um, okay. you know so you know Jesse's really into all kinds of miniature games oh yeah and a great hobbyist and so so he he ran me through that list or through the, through that game and uh, the way that it's this game is done in particular is you're sort of recreating a battle in the sense that your list is is kind of made for you like if you're going to choose the this Roman, whatever from this era, this is what you take, you know, for example. And then um, I, I would have more example, like actual words for you, but I don't remember the words. <laughs> and um, but and and it's a it's a single D six is all it is a single D six. And so the rules are super clever. You can use two D terrain. So my war machine sensitivities are like, oh, I like this already. This is easily travelable. <laughs> he had one little like plastic tote. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so handy. he was able to keep it all in. And so it was nice. So, um, and of course it's Jesse. So all the miniatures were finely painted. Yeah, yeah but, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess before we get to our topic, there's one more thing I, I want to mention. And, and that was uh, my family was at the coast uh, this past weekend. Uh, we, were at Sunny, uh, we were at Seaside, Oregon. And I was looking for, uh, we were just going to spend the day at the beach, but Oz found um, a game store. And so we left the beach, left the family at the beach and took a walk. We said, we're going to go take a walk. <laughs> and so we walked to the game store and we walk in. Oh, how and convenient. I know, so convenient, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, it actually was, uh, you know, it's a cute uh, it, it's called Stalking Dragon. It's a nice name. I thought it was very okay, clever. Yeah. You know, a little, little action there with the verb stalking. Um, I guess maybe it could be an adjective, too, to describe what the dragon is doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but, uh, but anyway, it's a, it's a small little store. And my favorite thing about small town stores is you never know where you're going to find on the shelf. Yeah. And so I start, immediately went to the used like RPG and uh, books that were in the kind of in the back of the store, kind of tucked away around the corner, not the prominent stuff that was like, yeah. you know, new and in cellophane and everything. And so stuff I, you can get everywhere else. Yeah, the stuff. Yeah. Exactly. I want to find something that I can't find anywhere yeah. else. And so I found a copy of the Mordheim rules. And so from GW. Yeah. And I'm very excited about it because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really big into Frostgrave. And uh, Frostgrave is sort of like the spiritual successor to Mordheim. And so now I have an original copy of Mordheim Rules to then compare with Frostgrave. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> and I, mentioned that, <laughs> I mentioned that we have this podcast. And he was like, oh, you have a podcast. Oh, that's great. You know, I'll give you 10% off. You know, and I was like, oh, how cool. <laughs> so anyway, so, I, so he gave me a great deal. You and, are now internet and famous in a I, local yeah, beach store. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> sold yourself out. <laughs> and well, you know. But they have, uh, they have a bunch of, they actually, I thought their used section, used book section was, was great. There's some gems in there. And I probably would have bought more if my wife, um, you know, if I wasn't using Had, her debit card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or hadn't driven to the beach with you? Like, uh, yeah, pretty much. You yeah. gotta hide him in the cooler uh, next to the lunch meat, oh, <laughs> tuck it under your shirt. You know? Oh yeah. 
<laughs> so I mean, she's uh, you know she's awesome, but um, but I, I do um, I do probably spend a little more than she would like on hobby stuff. <laughs> So that was Stalking Dragon in Seaside, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. So next time you're at the beach. Yeah, Seaside is actually one of my favorite beaches to go to, mostly it, because of the arcade, but also I like I love all the little yeah. shops and stuff like that. So it's so much fun. You know, if what, I we, make it out there again, I should. We didn't even do the arcade this time. Yeah. We had so much fun, and we found this like sandwich shop that Ozzy was really excited about, yeah. and and everything. And I mean, there's we, a, we just had a good time. There's also a big Kahuna burger, uh, yes. big Kahuna grill. That's a that tasty I love burger. Going to. Oh man. <laughs> Did you come back with a bag full of saltwater taffy? <laughs> no, we didn't. No, we. we yeah. It's funny. We did a lot of the un, the not usual things, yeah. and it made it, and it made for a great day. So it was, uh, it, it was something that my family desperately needed, and great, we got it. So I have a great childhood or great story from my childhood uh, that happened out at Seaside. I'll have to share with you guys sometime. Oh well, yeah, we'll do that uh, off mic. About about uh, <laughs> no, it was it was with my it was with my family. Sure, right? sure, yeah. okay. But it, it involves renting a Surrey and my mom freaking out. So it was, oh, okay. <laughs> it was pretty great. Hey, how about uh, War Machine games? You guys play any War Machine games? Nope. I've been mainly uh, just actually doing some priming. The weather turned nice, and so I was right? like, yeah. I was like, I gotta assemble, assemble, assemble. So I've assembled like eight figures and primed them all. So I'm like getting nice. ready to bake. Nice. Uh, I played a game last Wednesday. Uh, I defended, attempted to defend my coin from Eli. Um, I played, I borrowed some uh, Grimkin from Nathan, one of our locals, and decided to play a child heretic pairing uh, into into Eli, who was playing Circle, because I didn't want to play the Circle Mirror. I just don't like doing it, and I wanted something different. And so, uh, well, I used to play Grimkin. Uh, like, I used to play Grimkin competitively after they first came out. And I ended up playing child into Iona, and uh, we both had... He had a turn of an assassination attempt where his dice just kind of failed him. Like, through rerolls, he failed to hit. He failed to roll a six on child through two or three Hunter's Mark castings. Even with rerolls, failed to roll the six. Uh, and then my next turn, like, I failed to assassinate him. And then he ended up uh, assassinating child the next turn after that. So I lost my coin, but it was a good game. Um, and. Uh, it was really close. Nice. Nice. But that's the only War Machine game that I've played recently. Nice. That coins for the king of coins that's going on. Yeah. 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 Dude, there's a lot of chatter about that. I love watching the people talk smack there's about some, it on the Discord. Yeah, they cha- changed the name of the from the Masters League to the Coin Purse in our Discord channel, and now it's just a bunch of people trash-talking to right. each other. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> I, got, uh, I got a Company of Iron game in with Steve, and... Um, and, and it's funny because Company of Iron really hasn't like, um, like taken hold in our community yeah. so much, but it's a fantastic game. And we were just we, were, we just Saturday morning at the coffee shop. Yeah, you know that's what Steve and I do, and sort of on the regular. And so we're playing Company of Iron, and we kind of misread, we missed, we misunderstood uh, the the like the, the wound chart because the way yeah. that uh, the way that you get killed in the game is different than the way you get killed in you know in regular war machine yeah and so and so we basically gave everyone a second chance to yeah. live when when they probably should have been taken off the board and so and so it felt like the game was going longer because of that okay. and um, but I was I was doing very well in scenario very well in scenario <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> 
And um, but then Michael Burks comes in, <laughs> and so he's like, "Hey!" And so uh, so he was there, uh, just just he's getting his coffee because that's that's part of his routine, you know. Yeah. And so it was nice uh, for him to meet Steve, and you know, because Steve's gonna start coming out to Guardian on Monday nights, and yeah. and knowing more people than just me, you know, he'll feel more comfortable, yeah. you know, getting games in. So, yeah. nice. but. And I then, wanna, go ahead. I was going to say, I want to give Company of Iron another chance because I, I tried it a while, like more than a year ago. Um, it was very different. I kind of got into it. Um, uh, but I want to I would like to revisit it because I got really into Kill Team yeah, uh, and play, running a Kill Team League at Running Board. And I want to see, now that I have kind of that basis of how to think about the strategy yeah. on the small table. I want to go back and, and try revisiting Company of Iron and see if it just clicks a little better. One of the things I would love to do as a podcast, as a team here, is just um, engaging w miniature games. We have the, you know, in general, we have the I go, you go format, yeah. which is what we're very familiar with, you know, for like Warhammer, War Machine, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But then, but then there's like a whole host of games that are alternating activations, yeah. which completely changes the way that you approach the game, like you mentioned. Yeah. And so I think it'd be fun for us maybe as a topic in the future to, to cover that. Mm -hmm. um, I think Company Iron is great because it, it allows me to use my models mm -hmm. and that, you you know, that I already have. And <laughs> I don't need to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so anyway, yeah, that's good. But uh, but Jordan, uh, Jordan, the the new kid who uh, yeah. you know who we've been I've been gathering some donations for to get started in the game, and he uh, he and I got a learning game in on Saturday. Actually, he played Ozzy, and I kind of sat on his side and kind of helped him yeah. kind of make decisions, which is very interesting because I I know very little about Circle. Yeah. Um, but in the process of helping him, I'm learning a little bit more about Circle. Yeah. And, it's a very complex faction. And so it's I think it's going to help me as a player in general, yeah. but. So anyway, so anyway, so that's I haven't really got full woolen war machine games in um, <laughs> because I've been I you know was out of town traveling last mm -hmm. week and then you know and whatever and so um, so that's all I got. Oh, did, uh, little uh, waffles and uh, war machine didn't you get in? Oh know? yeah. Well, that would be the learning game with Jordan. Oh, oh okay. okay, that's that yeah. Let's remember you shared a picture. There was waffles, that's and then we slowly digressed into <laughs> taking shots of maple syrup whiskey or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> which doesn't um, sound bad. I would yeah. totally do that. I actually um, a lot of bacon. I have <laughs> Corey Doyle brought me a bottle not this past I five, but the year before. Nice. Uh, he crashed on my couch, and as a thank you, he brought me a bottle of maple whiskey. That's a good thank you. Yeah. Very delicious. Yeah. Very good. So I think uh, I actually what was interesting about that conversation was someone was like you know, a quarterly event where we do, you know, brunch, a brunch, machine. Br brunch machine. Yeah. And, and that would be something that to fun to explore, I think on how that would be organized. And so, yeah, but yeah, my wife made us waffles and we just rolled dice. It was great. <laughs> so, I mean, to be fair, she made waffles for the whole family, but yeah, you know, it, it was good. Yeah. So, well, we want to talk about hobby stuff today. Yes. That's what has brought us together. And uh, what's one of the things that we can always do when we, um, you know, when we can't get a game in and we're just home alone or home solo and, uh, you know, we, we can hobby. Mm -hmm. um, so we've kind of broken this down into a few kind of categories and, um, or, and or ideas maybe. And so the first idea is, is just the idea of, of getting ready. And I want to know from you guys, what does what does your environment look like? Like, 
when when you're like the space that you work in how do you set yourself up and um and like do you have any like <laughs> i have an answer for this one which is why i'm asking it do you have any pre-hobby rituals that you have to do uh <laughs> to get yourself in the mood to hobby <laughs> but um i'll just share mine later but but what do you guys do what does your space look like and how are you set up so um well mainly for me i'm kind of i don't have a dedicated space <clears throat> So really, it's it's when I when I go to hobby, I have to pull out my my bag. You know, I have a couple totes or bags full of you yeah. know things. Like I have a for painting wise, I have like a just a hobby container. I don't even know what it's originally for, but it's almost like a one of the big plastic toolboxes mm-hmm. that I use for a lid, and then like the uh, the battle foam uh, uh, privateer press paint bag. Oh yeah, um, which has actually been kind of cool, and so. That's what I have to pull out, set up my stuff, set it up on the kitchen counter, <laughs> yeah. get my hobbying in, and then pretty much pack it up and put it away before yeah. Yeah. before I have to. So it, it it adds a lot of time for me to do that. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my kind of space, and, and it works. Um, I have another light that we use for another thing, you know, the natural sunlight or whatever. I plug in to get a little bit better lighting than just your overhead lights. But as far as rituals and stuff... Um, I don't really have Dra- anything. Dragging it all out of the yeah, closet. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pulling, pulling it all out for the most part. And then usually I'll try to fire up like a, a podcast or a, a bat rep or something else just to yeah. kind of get, yeah. get game related in the background and just. That counts as that. a ritual. Yeah. That counts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm fortunate. I actually have uh, a station set up in my room. I've got an L shaped glass top desk that's kind of stuck into a corner. And one side is my computer with my laptop or my, uh, my keyboard and my, everything and then the other side of it i've actually turned into my hobby station my painting station where i've taken some um i've taken some old newspaper laid it down on top of the glass and then masking taped it basically to the top so that it won't really move that way if i spill any paint or anything like that it's a much easier cleanup um it's also nicer to to work on and then i've got two shelves um, it's up against a wall. So I've got two shelves that are mounted above my desk that have like my storage stuff. So like I've got a box that's got a bunch of old bits in it. I've got some spare bottle foam. But then I've also got some trays that have various progressings of things. Like I've got a tray that's got all my extra bases and some um, like some like pre-made bases or extra empty bases or like already painted resin bases and things like that that I use for models. I have another one that's got my like roller masking tape that I use for putting uh, filling in like the the slot in the privateer bases because I usually will nip off nip that the metal sprue part or the plastic sprue part out from between their feet so that I can position them differently on the base um, so I've got like masking tape plus all my basing stuff in another tray I've got another tray that's like assembled stuff ready to prime another one that is primed stuff that's ready to be painted which is full um and then on my desk i've got like all my paintbrushes my uh glass for my water and then i've got my extra caps for the hobby holder that i use and then i've got a uh it's a balsa wood maybe that's not balsa it's a it's a a wood paint rack basically that i got when i was at the first attack x that i went to a couple of years ago from the group that was doing 
the painting competition or judging the painting competition. Like pretty much every everyone got something of some sort. And I got this little paint rack that is primarily meant for, uh, I think, like Vallejo drip bottles. But I've actually, um, if I flip over the P3 paints, which is primarily what I use, I can set the cap in there kind of at an angle and have them um, sitting. And that's what my station ends up looking like. Hmm. That's but, uh, you're a little more advanced than right. than me, I think. I'm I'm with you, Dan. I I have a a red uh, Craftsman toolbox yeah. that I have that has like three drawers, and so I have you know one drawer is um, for all my Citadel paints, which are shorter, which fit perfect, and then I have a drawer for paint brushes and mm-hmm. things, and then I have a drawer for my clippers and files, and everything that's like big and random. That, that doesn't fit in those things goes in the top section mm-hmm. and I have to lug it out every time I go to paint yeah. and um, it's heavy and <laughs> and one time I was coming up the stairs and, and I nicked the wall and I'm upset about that and so when we go to paint the house this summer I'm going to have to fix that dent and <laughs> every time I go up and down the stairs I notice it and it bothers me so I, I want something a little bit um, more permanent but yeah yeah i mean that's yeah. that's kind of the advantage that i have being a bachelor is like my room is my space there's not anyone else there yeah. which is why i have the station set up there um just like i did in my previous apartment when i um when i was living with my girlfriend a couple of years ago like i actually had to do the same thing you guys did is i had to set my stuff up on the kitchen table and then clean it all up but like because my room is my only space and it's the only I'm the only person ever in there right. I can just leave all my stuff set out yeah. and I keep my door shut because we have cats anyway yeah. so yeah I got like a home office so it's like if I could just you know stop working from home then maybe <laughs> <laughs> if Wait, it wasn't covered in work related yeah. things it could be covered in hobby stuff exactly. yeah so what's uh so when you get like what tools do you do you guys use like is there something that is that is just your bread and butter that you're always your go-to, you know, that you just love? Like, where were you? Uh, for me, I mean, I found a couple things. I mean, I've evolved a bit and as as time's gone on, right? Um, yeah. Like, I've done a little hobby in years past, but, like, really the last year, year and a half, I say, is when I've kind of picked that up, you know, mm-hmm. a lot more. And I found, like, the... Uh, the flush cut cutters, you know, like P3 mm-hmm. makes um, one style. There's there's a few others you can get out there, but for trimming around models, I have found that, and of course a good old like Exacto, you know, cutting blade, little yeah. nice fine blade. Um, those two objects especially have, at least for me, been <laughs> incredibly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know we'll cover more of that probably later on, uh, prepping things, but yeah, you know, the uh, Army painter did did a um, like a starter kit. Yeah. Um, and so in there is a very simple blade and a very simple uh, cutter. And to be honest, that's actually my favorite cutter. Like I have fancier ones that I spend a little bit more money for, but I just love the simplicity of that of that one that came yeah. in the starter. I do not, however, I do not like Army Painter's X-Acto knife. Um, the the barrel is a plastic barrel, Ooh. and if you over tighten the when you when you change out your blades, yeah. it'll split the ends oh, of yeah. the barrel. Absolutely. And so the the train store, um, the train hobby store in downtown Hillsboro, I picked up a um, an exacto knife from there that has um, has a metal 
um, a metal barrel, but around it is yeah. like a nice um, like comfort grip kind of texture. Okay. And so, and of course, it also has the the hex, the hex things at the end. So if I drop it, it won't roll. You oh, know, like yeah, stay stationary, nice. whatever. Nice and so, um, I just recently picked that up, and I'm hoping um, that I'll get good use out of that. And I, you know, I have a problem. My, I'm a little OCD about certain things, and I, I was always the kid who over tightened everything, even though you didn't have to, and you know, whatever. And I still do that with certain things, and so, <laughs> so I broke my Exacto knife. Uh, okay. Yeah. And you needed a replacement, so you upgraded. Yeah. yeah. I, well, hopefully it's an upgrade. So. <laughs> Um, I actually have a, a Dremel kit that a buddy of mine had bought me years ago that I think was from Harbor Freight that I quit using the Dremel years ago after uh, after hurting myself with it. Um, but I'm I've sure also got like, yeah, it's it's not. It's <laughs> probably exactly what you think it was. Um, it was painful. But I also have a set of like... Um, like a couple nippers and like some pliers that I use occasionally for when I'm modeling things. Uh, and then I've got a, a pair of Citadel nippers that I borrow from Rune board. And then one of their mold line cleaners, which I was really skeptical about when I first looked at it. Cause it's not a sharp edge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just sharp enough to be kind of pointy, but like if you run your finger over it, it's not going to cut you. But it is fantastic for cleaning mold lines off of mm. GW, uh, like sprue models and things like that. Those hard, those uh, injected mold plastics and stuff. Um, I haven't used it on any of the softer plastics. I usually just use an Exacto. Yeah. But that one from Citadel, it is a little bit pricey to purchase the tool, but it is a fantastic tool if you have it. It's yeah. it's, it's actually very very good at what it's supposed to do. You know, one of my favorite discoveries about the Exacto blade mm. is is you have the blade that you're cutting with. And a lot of people will just use that as their as their mold line remover, um, but the top of the blade, uh, half of it is actually uh, sharpened. And uh, and if you and one time I was just kind of looking at my blade in the light, and it just caught it just right. And I was like, oh, what's that section for? So I actually use that now for my mold line yeah. removers. And you know, the the price point on that on that Citadel one keeps me away. I yeah. won't. You know, I'd rather buy a model for that price. Yeah. Yeah, and I I uh, was assembling some models early the other morning that I'll talk about a little bit later because I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and couldn't go back to bed, so I decided I was going to make yeah. myself useful and do some hobbying. Yeah. Uh, but I put a fresh blade into my Exacto knife, and I've got one of the like Exact Zero. It's like X Act brand or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a metal metal handle. Um, no fancy comfortable grip or anything like that, but I've had it for years and it uh, works fantastic. But I popped a new blade into that, and before you think it, no, I did not cut myself during assembly. Um, but I, I forgot how much of a difference a fresh blade makes. Yeah, yeah that's nice. Uh, do you guys uh, clean your models? Like, do you give them a soak before you start building? I've done it before. I mean, I don't now i mean i've kind of tried it both ways personally and like you know yeah the warm bath with some mild soap and then clean them again and you'll scrub them and then rinse them and let them dry and then i personally haven't found a big difference at least in my level that was my experience too is i didn't know anything about it until somebody mentioned it uh my old roommate mentioned it and then i started doing it just with like a little bit of like bathroom hand soap and some warm water and like Hmm. 
and running over it. And then I started getting lazy and I just wanted to assemble things quickly uh, and stopped doing it for a little while and didn't really notice a difference. So I haven't gone back to cleaning any models as far as like getting residue off. So um, this isn't part of our agenda, but um, I thought I would just throw this out there real quick. Um, What is, um, of all the model types that you have built and put together, um, you know, which ones, what do you like working with? You know, metal, plastic, resin, you know, um, we won't talk about companies. We'll ask ask about companies later, but I just want to talk about material type. What do you, what, what do you like working with? when you're when you're modeling um, I was always like you know back in the day oh yeah the metal ones I like the pewter guys or whatever else right you know that's just probably because like you know the feel and the smaller models mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, but I mean I know not going too much company but with the bigger with the bigger guys um, you know going beyond like the 28 mil 30 mil bases um, mm-hmm. I think I've enjoyed the plastic a little bit especially for different aspects um, of working with and I guess there's been some old styles but you know whatever the kind of the newer resins that are a little bit softer but still very you know pliable to work with i haven't had bad experiences with people talking about the hard plastics and stuff mm. but, um, uh it kind of depends on what i'm doing if i'm just assembling models um i don't really have a preference of mm-hmm. working with like metal versus a plastic i've done a lot of both especially since i started playing uh 40k last year and getting familiar with their molds Mm-hmm. And their plastics and stuff like that. I was primarily a privateer press, pewter, you know, model assembler for years and years. Uh, if I'm doing any sort of conversions or anything like that, it depends on how much work I'm looking at doing or like kind of the specific type of work that I'm looking at doing. Yeah. Um, plastic is obviously easier if you're going to be doing any sort of pinning or anything like that. Plastic is a lot easier to work with than it is with the pewter. Uh, if you're doing a sort of cutting, obviously, again, plastic is going to be just easier to work with because it's a softer material but i also did a series of mercenary warjacks that um were all based off of where instead of using the old like nomad or mule chassis i actually used the original metal ironclad chassis and cut those up and it was a lot of work to do because a lot of times i was cutting a hand off and then drilling a spot for a new hand Mm. and i need to go back and do some green stuff work to like clean up where I hacked a hand off. Um, but because of the look that I was going for, the metal ones worked better because I wanted them to be that really big kind of bulky look. And the the idea was that uh, I was getting into mercenaries primarily looking at like Magnus 1, Magnus 2, and I wanted to do something themed around that. So the idea is that he got these old decommissioned ironclads that were either salvaged from the battlefield or got on the black market or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so... They were the old um, ironclad models. And uh, I ended up using my Dremel to grind off the Cygnus on the top of them so that it's bare. Yeah. Uh, and then I eventually planned on um, painting them. I haven't done any painting with them, but you know, I have some cool conversions of those. Yeah, why don't we kind of reorder the, the agenda real quick and use this as a nice segue to talk about some conversion ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I, d- I didn't really know about conversions. I didn't really know that this was like a, a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was thinking about this, uh, when I used to play Hero Clicks, uh, I had a an old Frost Giant, 
that was one of their larger bases. And, you know, they had a, oh, what's the weapon with the spiky ball at the end of a club? Morning, morning star? Uh, morning star? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think it's, I think it's a morning star. Yeah. So anyway, so I had traded one, uh, I think to Bill, and it was like broken. And I was like, oh, this sucks. What am I going to do? And so I ended up going to um, like Joanne's and I bought some chain. And, okay. and so I, I kind of cleaned up the handle area where, you know, and I, and I drilled in and I put in some chain and then I put the chain in the, uh, into the, mm-hmm. the, the ball part of the Morning Star. And, and it became, turned it into a flail. It yeah. turned into a flail. And so, <laughs> my, so without even knowing what I was doing, I basically made my very first model conversion. And you know what was really silly is I was so proud of that thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. But, but now that I'm like in modeling, you know, um, I do uh, very little converting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, I don't know if I've done any conversions at all. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, what what do you guys do? Like Dan, do you do any conversion conversions when you're when you're building? A little bit. I mean, it's it's always that that time aspect, right? Is I'm I always feel I'm still trying to catch up. Like you know, some of my lists I play, especially in, in War Machine hordes, is is not maybe optimal or greatest pairings because I'm working with what I have, and you know yeah. I'm trying to usually play painted. So it's like okay, what do I have painted, and work work with that. Whereas you know, some of them do take take that bit of time um like yeah. i worked on uh, i need to get some pictures up actually for uh, a dracodile that mm-hmm. you know um and i guess that's not so much of a conversion as as basing so we can get into that one another time but i'm working also well, basing is still kind of part yeah. of that hobbying aspect i guess of, yeah like getting a model assembled right um and getting it to kind of work you yeah. know and and so um and with that one, I guess I added some like fire coming out of his mouth and stuff. But oh, sweet! Yeah. It, uh, well, tell yeah. us how you did the fire because okay. that, that yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, did you base it off of like something else, or did you like a little sculpt bit. the majority of it? Um, so I actually kind of cheated a little bit. Um, this is this is the hobby <laughs> cheat episode right here, I guess. Uh, so I took the idea. I was watching. Um, uh, I think uh, the Terrain Tutor. He's actually doing a Kickstarter right now too, but. Um, he had like smoke trails of light and used um, um, steel wool. Okay. And so I was like, huh, I wonder how that could work. So I went, you know, to like the local Buy Mart, picked up like a big pack of steel wool for like a dollar, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> super cheap. <laughs> and so I kind of got that and then shaped it into like a coney fireish shape and what would fit in the Dracodile's mouth. So squeezed on one end, kind of poofed up the other side, trimmed some of the excess, mm-hmm. and then I primed it black. And then I had some um, orange and some red and some yellow paints, and I basically just kind of spray painted the thing in layers okay. to get the uh, to get the effect of the fire effect there a little bit. Yeah. And I did some touch up with the with paint afterwards of just kind of adding little hot spots or changing, maybe adding a little bit black to get cloud. You know, um, I think it turned out kind of all right. You know? I think it turned out great, but you haven't just done that technique with a Dracodile, because yeah. didn't you do that for one of your Signar Jacks too? Uh, yeah, so some of my Signar Jacks, I, uh, on, a lo- on a lesser scale, so the smoke, the smokestacks coming out of the backs, right, I drilled further mm-hmm. down into those and then created like a little smoke trails coming out of, of those pipes. However, those broke off very quickly after going in and out a few times into, yeah. into the cases, yeah. so that was a little bit disappointing there, but yeah. didn't take that long. I think converging like larger models seems like it's more more like display style. And when you travel with them, you also exercise more care with them. 
Yeah. And so they're, they're going to hold better, I think. That's what I got to learn. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, the biggest conversion I'm kind of working on right now that, again, is kind of taking a back seat, but want to get back into doing soon is um, making some uh, Trollkin uh, long riders into Trollkin bear riders. Nice. Uh, oh, yeah. Right? Oh, All the Kador players yeah. are mad at you. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. We're, we were my, supposed to have the bears. Yeah. No, we they're going to be mine. Bears. But, yeah, basically the battle bear, it almost, you know, the one battle bear works, like, perfect for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, get some of the other long rider bits and just kind of blend them together and get a unit of bear riders. That's awesome. <laughs> How many are in the uh, max unit? Five? Five. Five. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. not super bad, but it's still a bit of work and creativity and a little bit more cost than I fully want to dive into at the moment. But but totally worth it. Yes. When yeah. I have Bearka and the bears and, you know, every bear I can cram in there. A true bear list. You know, yeah. like every unit almost has a bear. Uh, I think your opponent will find it unbearable. Oh, don't know. <laughs> oh, this is so bad. All right, let's get on topic. Uh, Tell me about a conversion idea you have, Chad. I actually have. I've actually done quite a bit of conversions, primarily with jacks. Um, like I said, I was doing those mercenary heavies, but I've also done two custom talons that I got the idea. I don't remember where I found the picture, somewhere online, but someone had taken a the old metal light jack for menoth i think it was a repenter um and had converted it basically into this other jack so they gave it the lancer's right arm so it's got like kind of the spear pointing forward and then it gave they gave it a destroyer cannon on the left arm and then actually replaced the head with i think it was a juggernaut head or something like that and then cut around the back of it and added some extra smokestacks to make it super steampunk. Mm-hmm. So I saw this idea. I was like, I think I can do that. And so I ended up buying uh, extra smokestack bits, uh, the old metal uh, Centurion smokestacks and some other ones and things like that and spent a bunch of time with some nippers and an X-Acto knife and cutting a bunch of metal. I'll, I should bring them sometime and show you guys, but I've got two custom Lancers or sorry, two custom Talons I've got a Nomad, a Rover, uh, a Mangler, a Mangler that's been reposed, and then I actually cut the chain off the Mangler and got some uh, jewelry chain from hmm. Michael's Craft Store or something like that. Uh, I got about a kit that's got a bunch of chain, and then it had a bunch of like connecting rods that you can use to like bend and make your own connections and things like that. Um, so I've got him posed on a Crix Rec marker with the ball stuck in like one of the like indentations or whatever nice. glued in there and then the chain running from the ball to the back of his wrist. Um, and then I've also done a Rossinante. I've done a, uh, a Gallant that was where I actually custom built from scratch both of the arms because I wanted to pose it the same way that Magnus II is posed, where he's like standing on the wreck marker and he's got the fist out in front of him and the sword kind of down into the back. Uh, and it turned out pretty good. Um, I've done some other stuff. The The one that I actually have that's done and painted is a Geterix that uh, Will Hellebrand is a guy from Canada who has done a bunch of conversion work and things like that. If you ever saw his old circle, he made... Uh, he re-sculpted a pure blood to have nine tails uh, and did a couple of other, um, did a bunch of custom work on like all of his circle stuff before he ended up selling it. But he had this really cool picture, or he had this, these starting pictures of a Geterix conversion 
kind of in the same pose as uh, Nicaea, Tear of Vengeance, the solo from Protectorate. That's got like the big two-handed sword mm. that's like dashing forward. I was like, I think I can probably do that because he showed like some some stage pictures of how he was working it, and I had a spare feral plastic feral kit, and so I took that, got an extra Getterix upgrade kit, and went to town. Like I cut it, um, I cut the arms at the elbows, uh, cut the legs um, like at the knees and then the ankles, and extended it. Basically, I used some pins. Um, to elongate it to make it look like he's actually jumping. I used a Menoth Wreck marker, and then I actually used green stuff to fill in the mold, uh, fill in the gaps like in the shoulders, the hips, the legs, the arms. Um, filled in the gap like a little bit around his shoulders. I made kind of like a um, like a cowl or an extension of his cowl, and I kind of got this idea from Eli, one of our locals, who also converted his. Gatorx from a metal feral, um, and I took some bits from the Gallus Grove that have like some hanging like skulls or like skeletons and stuff like that, and drilled holes into his fur and made it like they were woven into his fur, like kind of mm-hmm. like dreads. Uh, and I made a belt of jack heads uh, that I put around his waist that oh, looks super terrible. cool. So I had yeah, some. Yeah. I had some old um, like piping from uh, Mechanothralls that kind of looked like you know like spinal like robotic spinal cord. So I took some plastic heads, drilled into the back of it, took an exacto knife, white like twisted it around in a circle, widened it, um, put the the metal like, coil thing in there hanging out of it, and then hung that from the belt, and then took some green stuff and and made it into a rope and put it around over top of that so that they're like tucked into this rope belt. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy with it. It's actually painted up, and uh, it's currently sitting out of my bag because I took a bunch of models out to make it lighter. Yeah, uh, but I'll have to bring that in sometime and show it off. See, I love looking online and watching what other people do um, because they do, they give you good inspiration, you know. And some of the most creative, like one of my most favorite conversions is Murder Church. Um, oh. You know that Perry did, right? Yeah, yeah. A bunch of I, did you use GW skulls for that? I think. I think so. Yeah. Maybe secret weapon gaming. Or, or oh, something. secret yeah. weapon gaming. Oh, yeah. okay. Because I know that GW had a skulls box, and yeah. I didn't know if it was from Maybe that. Either or one. Around. I don't know which one it was. Yeah, but, but uh, you know, I'm you know I'm a pretty simple kind of guy, yeah. and most of the things that I build are how they look, and if they don't look that way, it's because I didn't understand how it looks. So, like for example. Uh, my Morgul 2 is holding the fan in this like funny way instead of holding it like this. And mm, okay. and this is really good radio because my listeners can hear how I'm describing <laughs> Morgul 2 holding the fan. But but I pinned that thing and it was like the best pin job I ever did is there's no way I'm undoing it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what? So, it's on there and I don't care if it's pointing it's on the wrong there. way. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about basing. Um, what do you guys like to do uh, when when you're basing your models? Like, um, you know, uh, like like I love uh, you see is it Death Ray Designs. Um, they have these great little discs that fit right inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the PP basing, and I'm currently using those for my my Malifaux, uh group that I'm building. And so, what do you guys do uh, that you like to do for for basing? Um, you know, 
Go for it, Dan. I know you, Dan, do crazy things. Yeah, I mean, I like to do crazy <laughs> things, but sometimes, again, time doesn't always uh, work out. Um, they said my, my Dracodiles, one, I did in a classic swamp base um, and, you know, added a added a dock and, and some wood for that and everything. Oh, that's cool. um, and then, you know, I did the wa still water effects in it and I had this... Mm. this well, How did you do the dock? So the dock, I... Uh, Popsicle sticks. Yeah, basically craft <laughs> sticks. So on, on spellstormminiatures.com there, I did a, um article about how I did trencher bases. So that's another thing I did. Oh, yeah, I remember that article. Trenchers yeah. And how I kind of tried to do uh, a trench trench base with the wood. So I used those same sticks in a similar manner. Um, kind of broke some, you know, in one spot. So it looks like the dock was kind of punched through in one, yeah. one area. Um, I just took some twigs from outside and made those almost post in the, in the water. Mm -hmm. um, this thing of, like, fake moss almost I used some of that to floating around and there some different plants I had that different textures right yeah. you know you, you got wanted that variety I've learned um, I have like an old jar of like mixed herb spices like it's like oregano and thyme or whatever some other different things and I find that almost kind of looks for like little leaves or almost twigs you know, like little little sprigs of mm. uh, of the herbs you so know. do your models smell nice too a little bit. It, it kind of goes down. Once you seal them, you don't really smell it anymore, right? Yeah. Oh, um, I guess you're right. Darn it. Yeah, it's like this one. You know, I, I made the error. And I was talking about this. Is Dan, I, what's that smell? Oh, that's great. the oregano. Yeah, don't, don't worry. This basing. Is, yeah. Oh, it <laughs> was quite pleasant. I'm just basing, honey. Leave me alone. Um, and so this one, I, yeah, you, I put the steel still water effects on there and gave it a nice gloss sheen. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to, I got to, uh, you know, clear coat my model. And so I was aiming mainly at the model, but I guess enough of it fell onto the water that oh. it took the whole sheen out of the water. Oh no. <laughs> so it kind of looks flat. You know, I p tried painting like some darker spots, you know, um, get some, you know, deeper green to give that depth to the swamp yeah. as well. So I need to go over and just spray, you know, put some gloss on there or maybe the waters again or something to bring that back. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Dracodile one did like a lava buildup of, uh, of like this pumice and basically cork board and kind of built up yeah. a side there. So like I said, I like to get creative, but then on the mask guys, I'll just usually keep it simple. A lot of the trolls, I'm pretty much putting snow down, just yeah. like the, the snow mm -hmm. scenics, tossing that down on there, maybe add like some snow, you know, some um, already done, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The little uh, pre-made bushes and stuff. Grass. Tufts, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I've also done an article on how to make your own like big tall swamp gas grass tufts i did on my gators um yeah those look great yeah that that's a good look paintbrush and some paint and yeah a hot glue gun um you know uh most of my other gators i took some other just like swamp basing and then those again the tufts and the spices and just kind of put those down in some interesting ways again build up that texture um i've taken yeah. some rune shaper stones and painted those for like my my champs and i'll probably use those a little bit on to spice up those bases a little bit but yeah. i mean if i'm in a hurry and i'm just trying to crank them usually it's just put some pva you know put them on the base put some pva on there hit whatever texture you know using of course i you know use most of mine out of like um out of the jar type thing yeah um if it's you know swamp or if it's going to be grass or you know whatever it's going to be toss that on there add a little bit of texture pieces call it done you know bigger pieces yeah. adding a little bit more to it i do a lot of, i do a lot of gravel like i'll do the you know the glue and then like real small like sand yeah. um like material that i get at the hobby store and then and then and i'll do that first i'll do that if i put the base on or the model on then i'll do that and then then i'll prime it and so it kind of keeps it all intact and so later i can you know paint it and then dry brush it in different colors or whatever and to 
just to yes i'm a simple simple guy <laughs> i just want the model on the on the table yeah so um yeah, yeah. how do you do racing uh i've got a couple of different things i've got some um a good handful of my circle is actually based on resin bases that uh coleman and uh sammy had made for the community a number of years ago so i've got like a bunch of stuff on those that are uh they originally made a bunch of masters cast them and then started making a bunch of resin bases that uh, the community started buying and putting on a bunch of their base on a, for a bunch of their models and things like that and so i've got a good chunk of my circle is is on those but then there's a bunch of newer stuff that um since my supply of those bases have since run out uh, i just do same thing as you jeremiah like gravel tufts of grass um really simple stuff yeah uh, i have also purchased some like base inserts before uh the malifo stuff that i assembled that i'll talk about a little bit later um actually has some inserts that i got when i was up in canada at attack x this past year from a company called rainy city hobbies where they custom they make a bunch of different um modeling bases and stuff like that that are base inserts um, I've got some 30 mil, 40 mil, and 50 mils from them that are like city cobblestone streets and things like that. And I used a bunch of those recently uh, and uh, assembled some Malifaux models and put them on there. So I'm excited to get those primed and painted eventually. Um, I bought the Malifaux models just because I thought they looked cool um, and wanted something else interesting to paint. That's what a lot of my kind of miniatures purchases have been recently because yeah. I already own almost everything in Circle. I think Malifaux models look awesome. They do. I think assembling Malifaux models is headache. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I so <laughs> I have assembled Nis Hunters, and these models were more meticulous yes. and painstaking than that. It's true. Like I built. So uh, I'll just you have to be I'll a hobbyist to appreciate Malifaux. <laughs> yeah. Just, just briefly, just, we gotta I'll just talk about it now. Briefly, is I I bought. I bought the uh, the Hired Swords Victoria starter box because I thought the models looked really cool. And I like samurai type stuff, and I like cool looking like punk chicks because a couple of the Victorias have like like a mohawk and a half shaved head. I was like that. I okay. I bet I could do some cool like pink hair or something like yeah. that and experiment a little bit. Um, but those things are very small, and one of the victorias has two pistols like one on a hip and then like one basically on her back like lower shoulder blade and those are like the smallest modeled pistols that i've ever seen that i had to glue on individually i'm oh. like guys mm -hmm. these models look great do me a solid and please please just put just mold just stuff mold like it that in there. onto yeah. the model <laughs> there was another one that had like basically like they're wearing suspenders that they've like dropped off their shoulders so it's like hanging around their waist was an individual piece i had to glue on i was like guys yeah do me a solid yeah but uh the models look really cool i'm excited to to get them painted i'm intimidated because they're very small models they are they're they're quite small and very detailed. They, they feel they feel, they're on like 30 mil bases but they're like they just feel smaller, like you know. So, are you, are you so familiar with the the original uh, Black Thirteen or Gun Mage models? Not totally. I have, I think, the newer okay. ones. If yeah. you've ever, if you've ever seen yeah. the original sculpted Black Thirteen yeah. that are really tiny, they look huge yes. on the thirty millimeter bases. That's what these Victoria models look like. Yeah, yeah. like that's what these they're, they're tiny people. Like. Yeah. So, 
So, uh, okay, so real quick, uh, just rapid fire. Um, what kind of painter are you? Are you are you a uh, studio painter? I mean, sorry, like you try to like go after the the studio scheme, um, or are you uh, do your own? And the second question is: Are you do you paint to tabletop standard, or do you try to go better, or do you just go worse? I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know what worse is, but um, I've seen worse. So <laughs> worse is where you just you know. Prime it and then dry brush it with some gray and call it good. Uh, yes, that would be it's worse. Really good for Necrons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, skeletons, actually, I did uh, some of my some of my skeletons almost like that. I primed them yeah. and then I just kind of heavily dry brushed them in like a, a bone color. Yeah. yeah, and then washed them and was like done. Yeah, exactly. Like if you use, I think it's like the Zandari dust or something like that by Army That's Painters. A great color. Like a really great kind yeah. of like old bone and uh like if you just prime some stuff that color and then just wash and highlight a little bit like oh cool there's the skeleton army done in like two minutes i have to check that one out <laughs> um but for me i mean i'm yeah uh i guess on the on the first of if i go studio or not is i kind of tend to stick towards studio on some of it um yeah. mainly i was doing my signar um it was really kind of studio-ish i guess for multiple reasons is one if if I go for the resale, it's easy to resell. And then also yeah. if I'm buying secondhand, then if someone else already kind of painted it, usually it's in that close style. So yeah. they they may be a different shade, but they're generally close. Um, some of my minions, I went crazy and, you know, adding, like I said, a, a fire theme to quite a few of them or, you know, getting that little bit of crazy. I think I'm more creative with with like beasts and like more creature-like than I am with yeah. like machines and yeah. you know the robots that, that makes sense soldiers I think. you know that are like you know these guys are coming from a uniform army right <laughs> type thing <laughs> um rather than a more of a tribal yeah i think that together. uniform tends to like speak to you your subconscious right. or something in color choice yeah, yeah. get on my color wheel and i, I you know yeah. some of them i so, have i've meticulously gone through my color wheel and said okay that complements with that and that's kind of offsetting to that or oh that hits my you know my triad of colors or whatever it is you know are you uh, so? Last question, Dan. Are you tabletop or better? So, my goal is at least always get tabletop, but I end up spending more time and going a little bit further. I'll always like yeah. add those little bit more details again, even when I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna knock these guys out quick, as I, I gotta stop myself from wanting to add more and more to it sometimes because I'm like, yeah. I just need to get it done. He's like a total of like one to one and a half points in the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like don't spend all this time on it. James, yeah. James ran into something like that. Uh, uh, working on his dial he's like, "Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna knock these highlights out, real simple, real quick." And then he was telling me, like, an hour and a half later, he was like meticulous. He caught himself meticulously highlighting everything by hand. And he was like, "What am I doing? This was just supposed to be a quick knockout to yes. finish the model." Yeah. So real quick, are you uh, are you a studio scheme or come up with your own? Uh. I mostly kind of do my own. My circle is in my is in uh, a variant scheme where, like, instead of green, all the cloaks are black. The armor is actually uh, blue with a light blue highlight. Um, some of my other stuff, it just kind of depends on what I feel like doing for the army. Uh, usually, it's kind of doing my own thing. Okay. Um, and tabletop are better. Tabletop and some of, mostly because that's what my skill level was at. But over the last year, I've been doing a lot more painting. And I feel like it's gotten a lot better. And some of the models that I want to take more time on, like my Kea 3, I took a little bit more time on, um, look yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. And some like there's a couple of other models that I've done 
to a higher quality. Like I've taken more time yeah. on them, but the majority of my stuff is is tabletop quality because it's yeah. fast. I, yeah, I feel like I feel like a character or something like that should should be a little bit better, and then and then. But your infantry, just get her yeah. done. Yeah, spend yeah. time on your caster. So we have basically two kind of subtopics to talk about real quick. And one of them is um, what happens when you make a mistake? And um, like, do you just, uh, do you start over? Do you strip? Do you, uh, do you just prime over it? Do you just add color and hope to God it doesn't show? Like, what do you, what do you guys do? Yeah, I'm in the boat. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with stripping down paint and doing all that. I'll just either, if it's early enough, reprime it start over again or you know just add some other layers there and try to just cover it up or maybe shove some you know a tuft or some terrain or something some basing in the way of it <laughs> you'll never see it but yeah i found um i found that sometimes if uh if the color is just off you know sometimes um doing a different kind of wash um can can maybe bring something together, you know, can kind of kind of connect two things that don't normally go together, and then do some dry brushing. Like I actually did that with like a like a feral geist. It was uh, I, I got it in a lot and it was broken, and and I there was no way that I could replicate that color, yeah. and so what I ended up doing was I I pinned it and fixed it, and then I ended up washing the whole thing and then dry brushing the whole thing. Like after I put on some I did some base cut touches where base base co- uh, paint needed to be and I got cl- as close as I could yeah. and then I washed the whole thing and then I dry brushed the whole thing and now it looks absolutely uniform yeah so I mean that's what I've done before so rather than starting over uh, I just I don't think I've really caught myself making major mistakes like that honestly most of my stuff that I've been painting recently is kind of like either my circle stuff or brand new stuff that I'm doing and I like to take my time figuring out um where colors are going and how it's going to look. And that's probably why my, my painting slows down a little bit is thinking about figuring out what's going where and which colors. And then once I get it, I'm basically like, okay, that's it committing. Let's go. Um, but there were some, uh, so like the getter I converted and a couple of my rip horns I had painted before. And it was at a time where I had forgotten and I didn't have written down what color specifically I used for my circle. Uh, color scheme so the armor I ended up painting in the incorrect color and I ended up just going back over and painting over it and re-dry brushing and washing those individual parts nice. like I used arcane blue and then highlighted with underbelly blue instead of the signar blue highlight or the signar blue base I think it is for the darker blue and then highlighting underbelly blue and yeah. just I just repainted over the armor I'm gonna have to repaint yeah. actually my um my blood trackers, I guess, are kind of an example of I painted them without having my scheme fully uh, realized. And so they have like light brown loincloths and stuff like that. And since then, I've painted all my Tharn where like all of their clothes and everything like that, all of the cloth is black, mm. uh, more uniform with the rest of it. So I'm actually going to have to go back in and repaint all my blood trackers. And I don't want to strip them. So I'm probably just going to paint over paint the black over it yeah. and then like touch up the hair and, and some of the other yeah. parts because they've been used and abused they've been used a lot and some of the paint is starting to to really wear yeah. so i'm going to piggyback on what you just talked about and 
And this is my, it's our last kind of topic related to hobbying. And it's, and it's honestly, it's my favorite. And the reason why it's my favorite is because I, I tend to be an organized person. And when I am disorganized or unorganized, not organized, yeah. um, you know, I, I actually fail to achieve the things that I want to achieve. And so there's, there's a few things that I need to do ahead of time in planning that uh, to be able to, and this is true for work and this is true for things around the house, not just, not just my hobby, right? And, and then on the backside, to be able to record the success. So for example, here's something super nerdy that I do that um, I can't believe I'm admitting to the public, but, um, but I actually keep a running bibliography of every book that I finish. And so, and so I run like, you know how like an old school, like high school, you had to write a paper and you had to like have a bibliography of work cited or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I have one of those, you know, a running bibliography of all the books I've, I've read in the last several years. And, and I keep track of kind of where I'm at. So am I leaning a lot of nonfiction or am I leaning a lot of fiction, which really isn't the case. I read a lot of nonfiction, you know, and so like, but then where am I, where am I spending my headspace? And so it's, it's actually a reflective process, too, because I can go back and look and, oh, last year I read 25 books. I need to step it up this year to read more, you know, kind of thing. And so, um, and so um, how do you, and this is, this is the question, is how do you keep yourself organized when it comes to hobbying? Do you have a plan? Do you keep a spreadsheet? Do you have... Um, you have a special shelf that's marked in inbox and then outbox. Like, I mean, how are you, like, what do you do to, to help stay on track is, I guess, kind of the question that I have. Yeah. Well, for me, like I said, I have to, you know, set up every time. Right. So I can't just like necessarily leave like, oh, these six paint colors is what I was using for these guys. So I've done that with like a log, you know, it's just yeah. pretty much grab a, grab an old binder and I've just written out like, okay, the model I did and then what did I base with or what mm. did I prime? What did I base with? What did I highlight with? You know, what's the skin? What's the teeth? What's the hmm. different cloths or something like that, right? You know. So that's a lot like my gaming journal that I yeah. keep. You keep a hobby journal. Yep. You know, nice. like, oh, I painted the tartans in this color, which again, the tartans. Um, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> and so... Yeah, that's how I kind of record mine. So if I go back, you know, I don't like as I, I've done it before. Where I was painting the arcs and I, I, I put like the wrong blue. Like I, I was like, oh, I, I think that's the right blue. And then I was like, oh, whoops, actually, I used this one. So I had to go back and repaint them, you mm -hmm. know, because I was like, I don't want them all. Yeah. But that's kind of how I stay a little bit organized on that scale. Um, I'm not as organized about the in and out models. Like if I have them primed, they're just sitting on a shelf and <laughs> we all get to them. But yeah. yeah. I really well, like that journal idea. That's brilliant. I've got a, a couple of different notations just in the notes pad on my phone, on my iPhone. Mm -hmm. I've got one that is my circle collection that has like all of the models that I own for circle, whether they're painted or not, how many of each one I have. Uh, and then down at the bottom of that, I've got my circle paint scheme. That's basically like I use this for bone, this for wood, this for cloth, this for armor. Or like this for armor with this mm -hmm. wash and then this highlight or something yeah. like I have those details that are that are logged now um, since I started re getting back into painting them a couple of years ago. Um, I do similar thing whenever I'm doing if I'm taking on commission jobs, I'll talk to the person of like, OK, like what's the kind of general scheme that you want? And I'll make notes like that yeah. uh, in my phone. And then as far as like 
my workstation, like I mentioned before, I've got one tray that is assembled models ready to be primed or maybe need to be touched up for priming. Another one that's all primed stuff that's ready to go that's right next to it. And then actually I have another box um, from when I recently went back and reorganized my bags because I've got a bunch of extra bags and a bunch of models and all over the place. I was reorganizing it and basically putting like only the models I'm using in my primary bag and then my other bags I put like uh, my all my other circle models that I'm not using and then another bag I've got like all my minion stuff and other random things like some of the mercenary stuff I have left over. Uh, but I've got another box that has like models that are done or almost finished and then just need basing. So like my unit of wolf riders have actually been painted. At this point I need to go back and I need to redo their, their loincloths and everything like that. Uh, same thing with my blood trackers and then they need basing and then they're done. Uh, and I've got a couple of other things that are in there, like a couple of warlocks that are painted, but I need basing and like the arcs marked. Uh, and then once they get done, I'll put them into my bag where it's like all of my circle stuff that I'm not currently using. Mm. Like this morning, I actually went like my Kea 3 and one of my warwolves that I recently finished painting just needed basing and then they were finished. And I was waiting to come over here to start recording. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to base these things, maybe do a little painting and then I'm going to leave. So like those and a couple of other things, I just recently, uh, yeah. I just did that this morning. And so they're drying and then once they're dried, they'll go into my bag. Yeah. Well, this was, I think, uh, a pretty fun discussion. Um, after hearing some of the ideas that you guys shared, I'm actually looking forward to getting some hobby time in uh, this week. I have a couple extra things that are on my, on, my, on, the, on my plate this week, so I'm not sure how much hobby time I can commit to. <laughs> Um, but real quick, um, name one or two things that are on your hobby desk right now. Uh, Dan, what, what are you working on right now? Uh, ninja bears and a bunch of other Northkin. Nice. <laughs> nice. I'm doing, uh, I'm cleaning up the drop zone commander models. Uh, cause I want to get them primed and then, uh, and then I am also building the things for Kaiju. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, one by you. What's on your hobby table this week? Uh, You've mentioned a bunch already. Yeah. So just one or two. Yeah. My <laughs> my desk is a mess full of stuff. Uh, the main things that I'm working on right now are um, getting Iona and the Blood Shaman done for myself. My Linus, my mini crate Linissa is has paint on her, but I'm not sure where I want to do with the rest of it. So she's kind of in a holding. Uh, and then I've got some commission orcs that I'm working on doing. Um, I think it's a weird boy, a boss. And then I've got one of the buggies from Speed Freaks that actually I'm currently working on. Nice. Uh, That's going to be really fun. Nice. Um, well, uh, this was a good episode, I think. Yeah. And uh, we just want to wrap up just by sharing some of the events that are kind of happening in, in our area. Um, Dan, you already mentioned the King of Coins event is, uh, is going strong. Yeah. And that's great. And uh, there's a lot of defense happening. And there's also mm -hmm. a lot of... Uh, a lot of sur uh, surrendering. No, yeah. not surrendering. I think there's more coin a lot of exchanging. Coin yeah. taking, exchanging, coin taking yeah. over defenses, it looks yeah. like. Yeah. Because yeah. after Eli yeah. took the coin from me, he lost it to Josh Briggs, who also lost it to James. Yeah, that, that coin, that, that circle coin has gotten around. Yeah, yeah so, and that's what I like about that. Yeah. That had, like, what, two or three games in one tourney? It's yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah. And it can overlap. And so, yeah, it's, it's really good. I think Jeremy's so, the only one that's successfully... Well, no, uh, I think JC did. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of defenses. Coin, yeah. So yeah. I hope our players are keeping track of how many times they've successfully defended because yeah. that's a thing. 
Um, this Saturday, we have the Seattle Open up at Mox Boarding House in Bellevue. Um, the monthly steamroller at Next Level Gaming is going to be March 30. And so for us in Oregon, that's, I think, the last Saturday in spring break. Yeah. Um, the three-man tourney has been moved. Uh, it, was, it was in February. It got snowed out. It's now April 6th in Prineville, and, uh, which is the same day as Ambuscade, which is where I will be. Um, the, the King of Coins Invitational Tournament is the following Saturday on the 13th at uh, Guardian Games. And then for those of you that like to plan ahead, uh, the NorCal Classic is going to be August 9th through 11th, and it's going to be at Game Castle in Mountain View, California. And my understanding is that they have expanded it this year. It's going to be three days of gaming, and there's going to be different kinds of games, right? Like a team tournament and and obviously um, some solo stuff too, I think, too. Um, and so I'm, that's really exciting. Uh, it's only 12-hour drive from here. Um, only 12 hours. Right. I mean, <laughs> you can stop on the way and get some in and out, and, yeah. you know, or At least it's not like driving 20 yeah. hours to Vegas, which I've done before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is closer to us than Vegas. So, yep. hey, uh, we're going to wrap up here. Dan, what is our code for the Hidden Forest gaming discount? Yeah, go on there and when you go to checkout, enter the code SPELLSTORM10. Just all one word. Excellent. Very good. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. We hope that in addition to inspiring you to play more games, that we have also inspired you uh, to get more hobby time in. Thank you.